This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hello everyone and welcome to Parak Chaftale, chapter 24 in Tehillim. I want to start by thanking the sponsor of this parak who is dedicating it to all the singles who need to find their shirach. And I think it's a beautiful idea. So we all know people who need Shadduchim. Let's have in mind as we go through this parak that all the work, all the growth that comes from it, all the inspiration that comes from it should be a schus for all the singles who are anxiously waiting to move on and to get married and to build beautiful homes. Okay, so Parak Chavdalid is a parak that David composed on the day that he purchased the site of the Beis HaMikdash, the temple site. And he composed this parak to be said at the future inauguration of the Beis HaMikdash when his son Shlomo would build it. It also happens to be the Shir Shalyom, the song of the day of Sunday that we say at the end of davening. So to those of us who haven't been getting around to saying it on Sundays, hopefully now after we learn this beautiful parak and all the lessons involved, will be more motivated to say this beautiful parak on Sundays. Okay, so there's three different parts of this parak that David had intended to be said at three different parts of the journey of bringing the Aron Kodesh to the Kodesh Kedashim, when the Beis HaMikdash would be built. So the first part, La Hashem we start off talking about the fact that the Hashem owns the entire world. The, the Jews said that as they were setting out on their journey, they were on their way going to the Har Hashem, to the Temple Mount. And as they were going on their, on their way, they wanted to remind themselves that yes, the Shekhinah of Hashem is concentrated in the Beis HaMikdash, but really he owns the entire universe, the entire world. And then the second part of this parak is talking about when they were at the foot of the Harabayas. They were about to ascend the mountain to the Beis HaMikdash and they asked the Kohanim and the Chachamim there, Mi Yalev Har Hashem? Who, what is the prerequisite? Who is allowed to go up the mountain of Hashem? What does a person need in order to be able to go up and to be close with Hashem? Do they need karbanos? Maybe they need a fast. What do they need to do? Do they need to say a certain tefillah? So we're going to learn this in the parak. And then the last part of this parak is the famous psukim that we sing on, on uh, Simchas Torah. Su'u sha'arim rashechem. That's when the Jews got to the gates of the Kodesh Kedashim. And they're asking the gates to open up so they could bring the Aron Kodesh in. And we're going to see the dialogue that happens there. And we're going to learn a lot from it. So now to translate all of this beautiful information into our own personal lives. Because that's what we do best here in Tiantahillim. This parak is about successfully navigating and moving up the Har Hashem. Mi Alev Har Hashem. Who's going to be Zoche to go up to the mountain of Hashem, to connect with Hashem, to have Su'u Sha'arim Rashechem, to have the gates open so that they can have Hashem in their life and all the Siyat Tishmaya and success and blessings that come with it. What do we need in order to be able to navigate up the mountain of life that has so many hurdles? The Har Hashem is the arch, our path in life. It's not a straight, smooth path. It has rough terrain at times. It has big boulders. It has craters. This pathway of our life is the Har Hashem. And the gates that we want to open are the gates of success, of the gates of, of Hashem's support and guidance. 
and, and blessing. So the question that we want to ask here that we're going to answer in this parak is what is the mindset that I need in order to attract the divine guidance and assistance into my life in order to be able to transcend the hurdles and the challenges and to really achieve major things and to really be fulfilled and accomplish my mission in this world. And so we're going to see that the answer to this question is embedded in the deeper meaning of this parak. And the answer that we're going to get to is the idea of taking a 100% responsibility for our lives. That each one of us needs to recognize that, yes, of course, the first pasuk in this parak is la Hashem ha'aretu maloa. Yes, of course, Hashem owns everything in the world and He owns everything and at the same time, he gave us a steering wheel. He owns the car. He owns everything in the car. He owns everything outside of the car. He owns the people in the car. But we have the steering wheel. He gave it to us and we have to use it. Now, and this is going to be the theme of this parak, taking accountability for our life and how exactly to do that. Because many times we want to, but we don't really know how. And also we don't recognize the extent to which we have an impact on our own realities. So now I don't want to confuse accountability with blame. Before I start anything, I just want to separate these two things. We're not talking about blame. Blame does not serve us. Blaming ourselves is not helpful and it's not appropriate because we all do the best that we can in every area of our life. And often our steering wheel is getting controlled by subconscious beliefs or thoughts that are in our mind from, from, could be from our childhood. So we're doing the best we can with the tools that we have. So there is no blame. But accountability is what we need. Accountability means I recognize that I'm at the steering wheel. And that it's my job to become conscious of why my car is going where it's going and how to get it to go where I want it to go. So it's really, it's not about putting ourselves down and blaming us. It's about freeing ourselves, empowering ourselves to recognize that I have way more power to change my life than I thought I did. And it's so freeing because when I think that I'm just a victim and that everything that's happening around me and that other things that other people are doing to me and things that are happening in my life are, are just out of my control. That's, that's like being imprisoned. But in order to be empowered, I have to recognize that I have the steering wheel and I can affect major changes, not just in my own life, but I can create a ripple effect and I can change dynamics that are around me and I can even change the whole energy in the whole entire world. And we're going to read about this very soon. So the thing is, I know who my listeners are. I, I speak to a lot of you one-on-one. -on -one. I know you. I know who's listening to my classes. And there's a very good chance that you who are listening to my class are extremely spiritual, intuitive, wise, compassionate, kind, mature, growth-oriented, you have so many amazing qualities and you're working on yourself. So you already know that you're taking responsibility. You know that you need to take responsibility for yourself. So why am I coming here to you today? So like I said, we may know that we should be taking responsibility, but we may not know the direction that we need to go in to do that in the most productive and effective way. And we also may not realize how far it goes, that how much I can really change, how much change I can really affect in my life and in my surroundings. Just to give you an example, I had a client who was complaining that someone in her life was mistreating her. Someone came into her life and created havoc, like was really ruining her peace of mind. 
And she was really, even though she's such a growing person and she's always working on herself, she really was in a victim state because she didn't know what to do to get out of it. And she really saw herself as a victim who had no choices. And so I asked her the question. I said, I wanted to empower her. I said, this person, this difficult person who's creating havoc in your life, who's being difficult, who's mistreating you, is there anyone in your life that you could think of that if you put that person in your place, they wouldn't be tolerating this same mistreatment from this difficult person. Somehow, this difficult person wouldn't have the same impact on them. They wouldn't be able to do the things that they're doing to that person. And she thought for a second and she said, yes. And she came up with a person. And then she said, oh, and I know someone else. And she gave me a few different people that if they would be in her situation, they would never be tolerating this awful behavior that this other person is giving them. It just wouldn't end up happening. Like the other person wouldn't even do that to them to begin with. And just from asking her this question, it made her realize that while she thought it was the other person that was doing the whole, that was creating the whole problem and she was just the victim, in reality, she realized that there has to be something in her that's bringing this situation into her life. And that by changing some mysterious thing within herself, she can change her whole life. She can really change it single-handedly all by herself. And so today I'm here to offer all of you the gift of figuring out what this mysterious thing is. What is the mysterious thing that I can change in my life to steer my life in the direction that I want it to go in? And by getting to this answer, we're going to really be able to learn how to take accountability for our life in a way that will su'u sha'arim, that will open up gates for us to get unstuck and to get further and to transcend higher in the areas of our life that we're looking to make improvements in. So let's look at Perak Chavdalet, Pasuk Aleph. We start off the Perak here with the words, La Hashem Ha'aretz Umaloa. The world and everything inside of it belongs to Hashem. Now, what's the significance of starting off the week? We said this is the song of the day of Sunday. Why do we start off the week with these words? La Hashem Ha'aretz Umaloa. Now, we start off the week with these words because Shabbos is a time when we're really putting it in our faces. It's really in our face that like our actions are not really creating anything. Hashem is showing us you're doing nothing today. You can't do a thing. You see, the world is going on without you. Your life is going on without you. We're reminding ourselves of our emuna. We're reminding ourselves who's really in control on Shabbos. But this song is set on Sunday. Sunday is a day that I take out my planner, right? What do we do on Sunday? We take it, or Matzah Shabbos or Sunday, we take out our planner and we plan the week ahead and we put in all the responsibilities that we have to take care of and all the things that we have to do and all the errands and all the work and all the family obligations, all the doctor's appointments. It all goes in there on Sunday. So just then, right? When you take out that calendar on Sunday, we want you to know, La Hashem Haaretz Umaloa. Don't forget, you're not in control. Yes, you need to do all these things on your list, but do it with calm. Do it with menuchas hanefesh. Do it with a mindset of knowing that you just work here in the world. All these things that you're doing, all these efforts that you're making, it's just like, it's like paying a tax. It's like doing your little token hishtadlis here. But really, the world is not being controlled by you at all. Nothing that you're doing is actually creating anything that's being done by Hashem. So I actually saw 
a line somewhere. Don't worry, nothing is under your control, right? So that's what we're, when we start off the week and we're taking out our planner, we're calming ourselves down with this knowledge. Just to give you a personal example, I'm busy now, Baruch Hashem, planning my son's bar mitzvah, very exciting. The thing is that in my makeup of my personality, I don't so much enjoy party planning. I'd rather give classes and coach and do all the things that I love to do and that fill, fill me up with a feeling of fulfillment. And that party planning piece doesn't do it for me. So I'm, when I'm reading this parak now with you together now, I'm reminding myself, everything belongs to him. Whatever I do is really just a small tax. It's not making anything happen. He's making it happen. And that's a very calming thing for me to keep in mind. And so anytime I get worried, I say to myself, thank you, Hashem, for making this whole bar mitzvah happen so beautifully. Thank you for making it so effortless for me, right? Just keeping in mind, reminding myself who's really in charge really puts me at ease and takes away the overwhelm. Okay, so... We know why we're starting off the week with this with this line. But why are we starting off this parak? What's the significance of starting off the parak with the words Lashem Haaretz Umaloa? Because we're about to talk about all of the things that we individually need to do on our own in our own right in order to be worthy to ascend the mountain, in order to be able to have that special siyata dishmaya, the special blessing on our journey of life. We're going to talk about the things that each of us need to do, and we're going to talk about, we're going to see embedded in the words of the of the parak the concept of taking accountability, realizing that we're responsible. So before we talk about all those things, our responsibility that we have for our own lives, here it's important to lay the foundation of our success by reminding ourselves that are all of those efforts that we're going to be putting in, all of that accountability and responsibility are really powered by the one above. Shem owns everything. We're just channeling it in, in the ways that we want to channel it in and that we learn to channel it in. So it's a very important thing to start off. At, you know, we need both of these ideas. In fact, it says elsewhere in, in Halal and Tehillim, it says, and the land is given to men. So the Mepharshim ask this question, like, so which one is it? It seems like two totally contradicting ideas here. Here we're saying, that Hashem owns everything. There we say, that the land is given to men. So whose is it? Is it God or is it mine? And the answer is, it's both. And it's exactly like we were just saying. We need both of these ideas. Yes, Hashem owns all of it. And yes, we're also in charge of steering our own car. And it's very crucial that we keep both of these ideas front and center in our minds and not see them as contradictory, but see them as working in tandem with each other. Now, interestingly, it's just I happen to notice that in Halal, right, we say the par- the Pasuk of Aretz Nasan Levnei Adam. And here we say this one. What's the significance that there's in Halal is where we talk about the earth being given to man. And here in this parak we're talking about, we're starting off talking about Lashem Haaretz Umaloa. So what I notice is that in Halal, it's all... We're, we're praising Hashem for everything. We're talking about His greatness and we're talking about our reliance on 
him. And so in all of that, we need, we kind of balance it out. We need that reminder that guess what? Yes, Hashem is doing everything, but we're also, we also need to be involved. We need to take the, the resources that we were given and make them into what we want them to be. Don't think that because Hashem is so great, as we keep saying over and over again in Halal, that you're here to do nothing. So that's where we need the reminder of Haaretz Nassan Levnei Adam. And here in this parak, where we're about to talk about our personal responsibility in our life, so to balance that out, we're starting off with Lashem Haaretz that the whole earth belongs to Hashem. Just shows you that your life needs to be have that balance, have these two ideas working together with each other. Okay, so Pasuk Gimel says, Miya Lev Hashem. So who may ascend the mountain of Hashem? Who may stand in his holy place? So here we're bringing this into our life and we're saying who is going to be able not just to Ya'aleh. There's Ya'aleh and there's Ya'kom. Ya'aleh is referring to those times in life where a person has this huge inspiration and they take this big leap and they're, they flip out, so to speak, right? Like they, they, they're, they're inspired and they they have this burst of spiritual energy. And Ya'kom is referring to the maintenance, the, the ability to stay, to sustain a life of closeness and spirituality. So we're saying here, who could have a burst of inspiration, but actually keep it going so that they can create a place of stability from which to keep growing from. So what does a person need in order to be able to get close with Hashem and to be able to transcend what's going on in his life? He has to have clean hands. He has actions have to be clean. He has to always be trying to do the right thing. And his heart has to be pure, meaning his thoughts. His thoughts have to be pure. Var is from the word borer, to choose. The, these words here, uvar levav, this pasuk is hinting to the idea that it's so important to take control of the thoughts that are, to become aware of and take control of the thoughts that are entering our minds. And this is the key to taking accountability. Everything starts with our thoughts. Our thoughts are seeds, are like seeds that you plant in the ground. They create trees. They create realities in our life. If we want to change our life, it's not enough to just chop down the tree. The tree will grow back. We have to actually dig out the seed, take the seed out and replace it with a new seed. Take out the thought, discover what is the thought that I'm having and replace it with a new belief, a new idea, a new thought. And that's the key to how we can really take accountability for our lives in ways that work. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you at the end when we finish this parak. I'm going to teach you a real way of doing that. So I'm not responsible for that first thought that pops into my mind. But my job, once that thought is there, is to become aware of it, to be conscious of my thoughts, and to do borer, to be selective, right? What do I want to be thinking and what do I not want to be thinking? Because the thoughts that I allow into my mind create realities. Another quality that this person has to have, a prerequisite to go up to the Har Hashem, is that he can't swear deceitfully. He can't make false oaths. So what is this talking about? So it's actually on a deeper level. It could mean, I'm not carrying my soul for naught. 
the soul that I came down here into this world to carry, I'm not, I'm not wasting it. I'm not wasting my time here doing nothing with it. I'm not living in a way that's disconnected from the messages of my neshama. The low nishpala mirma. And I'm not, and I didn't promise, I didn't give an oath for the mirma in a deceitful way, meaning that before I was born, we all know that we're taught the whole Torah and the Malach touches us and the Torah gets forgotten. But also before we come out into the world, each of us makes a promise. And the promise that we make is that we're going to be righteous and we're not going to be wicked. And we're going to stay in touch with the purity of our soul throughout our lifetime. And so we're saying here that a person has to be clean in their actions and in their thoughts and take charge of their own actions and their own thoughts and to make sure that their descent into this world is not for naught. It's not for nothing. They they are here to do the right thing and that they stay in touch with the fact that they promised to be righteous in this world. This person who's living his life deliberately, carefully, he's trying to think and act in the proper ways, is going to draw blessing into his life. Bracha is outright goodness that we're able to clearly see is what, you know, when things happen exactly the way we wanted it to. It's a bracha. Tzedakah, Rav Hirsch explains, is when things are good and they're for our genuine best interest, but they just don't appear to be that way on the outside. A person who's thinking, I'm doing everything that I know how to do. I'm trying so hard in my life to do everything right. And it still all seems to be falling apart. He should recognize that that's not random, but that's tzedakah. That's Hashem doing what's in his genuine best interest. It just doesn't appear to be that way. And often a person just needs to keep keep on keeping his intentions in the right direction. Keep on wanting to get to where he wants to go. Keep He should keep his goal in mind of where he wants to get to. Keep his amuna strong. And often it's what's needed is patience. And often what's needed is just to wait till the right time comes for things to shift. But that, that what's going on in his life at that point, when things don't look good, that's the tzedakah. So this person who's really trying to move his life in the right direction is given an extra measure of hashkacha pratis. Zed dar dar shav mevakshe panacha Yaakov sala. This zed dar dar shav, this is the dar, the generation of those who turn to him, those who seek Hashem. So how did we go from talking about one person and now we're talking about an entire generation? What shaykhis? What's the connection? How did one person become a whole dar? So the answer is that one person... This one person who's trying to do the right thing, he has a very strong impact on the world at large. We shouldn't think that our actions are just for ourselves, are just impacting ourselves. Our actions have ripple effects. I just had a session with somebody who was very special, and I was discussing a personal struggle with her. And she said to me, you doing this hard thing that you're doing is infusing the world with the energy of Gavura. You're putting the energy of holding back, of of doing the right thing into the world by doing what you're doing. And it's such a spiritual concept, it's so hard to understand. But really when we say, that we're all mixed and we're all combined, yeah, we impact each other. Our actions impact the world at large. You know, even little kids in school, right, when fidget spinners are in style... It takes one day and the entire class have, has, fidget, has fidget spinners. One day and the in- entire class has light-up sneakers. One day and the whole class has circle cards, right? In two seconds, 
everybody else is like gravitating towards what that one person has. And it works the same way with our midos, with our qualities, with our, with our traits that we live by. When we change and we shift, we impact everyone around us. We add a new dimension of that mida into the world. So yeah, we influence others. And also we have to understand this also from a different perspective. Very often, you know, somebody who will be in a difficult marriage, for example, will complain that, yeah, my spouse doesn't want to go to therapy, so I'm stuck. I'm doomed. What should I do, right? Nothing else I could do. If they don't want to go, then nothing could change. And what I've noticed in my experiences is that very often it's more effective to go by yourself. More effective to to make your own changes because if you're going to wait for the, if each of you is going to wait for the other to change, it's never going to happen. But if one of you makes the changes, then the rest of the dynamics of the relationship will shift by default. And that could really be the message here. Zed dar dar shav. Now all of a sudden we're talking about how this whole generation of the of the generation that this person is living in is all going to now seek Hashem. Everything is going to shift in, in the whole surroundings of the person. When we change who we are, everything around us changes too. Things will shift to match what we changed inside of us. And that could be the message, the very empowering and true message of these words where we went from talking about the individual to now all of a sudden talking about the entire generation. So now we're at the end, of, we're coming towards the end of the parak, and we see the dialogue that's going on between the people who are bringing the Aron into the Kodesh Kedashim and the gates themselves. And there was a dialogue, and the people are saying, open up, and the gates are answering, who's coming in? Who's this king that you want to bring in? And they answer, Hashem Gibor Machama. We want to bring in the God who made us successful at all our wars, who was the mighty and powerful one who won all of our wars for us. And then this, and then, and then we see that it doesn't work. The gates don't open. What's missing here? Why don't the gates open? So again, then again, they say, open up. And this time, the second time that they ask, they are Zohar to have the gates open up. The question is why? What's the difference between the first time they ask and the second time they ask? And an answer is given that the first time that they ask, they were, they're saying, that's what they say the first time, that the, the doors should open up, should be opened up. The second time they say, they tell the gates, open yourselves up. Additionally, the first time that we ask the gates to open up, we refer to Hashem who's coming into the gates as the Gibra Machama. We talk about ourselves in, when we're talking about us and Hashem, we're referring to Hashem as the one who does everything and us as being like the damsel, the passive damsel in distress. And the second time we say, Su, we tell the gates, open up, you do the work of opening up. And we refer to Hashem as Hashem Tzvakos. Hashem Tzvakos means the, the God of the armies, the God of the troops. Who are the armies? The armies are all the living things here on earth. We're referring to Hashem in a way that we're putting ourselves into the picture. We're putting ourselves into the equation. We're saying that each one of us, we're one of the troops. And therefore, that means that we each have to do our part. And we each have to make sure that we're each doing the best that we can. When an army goes out to war, 
each one of those people, you could be sure their life is in their hands, that each one of them is doing the very best that they can to make sure that they're serving their country, that they're ser- that they're not going to die in war and that they're going to be able to be a hero. They're going to be able to accomplish everything that they want to accomplish. And so when we say Hashem Tfakos, we're putting ourselves in the equation. And when we're putting ourselves in the equation, that's also why we say Usu. We're hinting to the fact the gates open up, not Vihinasu, not you'll be opened up and the God who's going to come save you and do everything for you and you have to do nothing is coming through. The gates open up when we say, Usu, you gates open up. Who's coming through? The Hashem Tfakos, the God of all of the troops here on earth, who each one of us has to be a part of that picture. We have to be a part of bringing Hashem's honor and glory into the world. So when we talk about ourselves as being accountable, as being responsible, as being the ones who need to be the doers and the steerers of our own ships, that's when the gates are able to open up. And the lesson for us is that's when the gates to our own blockages and our own stuck places could open up in our life. That's when we can ascend and go up to the Har Hashem, when we're taking the Achrayis that we need to be taking and not pointing fingers at other people or pointing fingers at God or saying, well, this is just what my life circumstances are. When we stand up and we say, I am one of the troops, I have to make it all happen. It's in my hands to steer this car. That's when things start moving and shaking. So how do we do this? So personally, at one point in my life when I was going through something very challenging, um, I, I asked, I reached out, I asked somebody for help. And this person was very wise. And they told me a line that I'll never forget. They told me, to that if you hold the racket differently, the ball will go in a completely different direction. All you need to do is shift the racket in your hand. For those of you who play tennis, you know what I mean. You need to just make a slight rotation, turn the racket a tiny little bit, and the ball goes in a completely different direction. Now, this made a lot of sense to me at the time, but I didn't know how to execute it. And I end up hanging up the phone feeling stumped. It gave me a lot of food for thought, but I really didn't have any direction of where to go from there. Like, where had to turn my racket. Like, I didn't even know I was holding a racket or which direction to turn it in or which hand it should be in. Or I, I, I didn't really hop. I didn't get it. And now, Baruch Hashem, I really do understand how to turn that racket, and I want to teach all of you what I learned. So let's take our old seeds out, put in a new seed into the ground so we could plant a new tree and see a different reality. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to ask two very important questions. And the questions are, number one, what thoughts or beliefs in me could be attracting this situation? So you take any situation that you don't like in your life and say what thoughts or beliefs could be going on inside of me that could be attracting this? And number two, what would I need to believe to bring about different results? How, in what way do I need to change my thoughts? What would my thoughts need to be? What seed do I need to plant to bring about a different tree? And I just want to caution you not to take this in the wrong way. It's dangerous, especially for my listeners who are so ernst and so sincere and so wanting to do everything right. 
don't take this as blame. This is empowerment and this is a tool to be able to further your life in a good direction. Not so that you should say, oh no, everything that I'm doing now, my whole life that's happening around me right now is all my fault. That's not going to serve you. Instead, we're only looking forward and we're saying go from here on in. I can start becoming more aware of my thoughts and I can start attracting different situations. So these two questions, what thoughts or beliefs in me could be attracting this? And number two, what would I need to start believing, to start thinking, to bring about different results? Now, just to give you a few examples, because this is a bit of a deep concept. I usually do this with clients in, in session and I don't teach such complicated, deep things, but I do, but this is a very important thing that I think a lot of you are capable of understanding, and I want to give you some examples, okay? So let's say you have a person who's constantly being taken advantage of. Every time there's a carpool that needs to get done, it falls on me. Every time somebody needs something, I'm the one that ends up, you know, nice people finish last, look what's going on, I'm nice, and I keep getting dumped on. And so let's go through these two questions. Number one, what thoughts or beliefs in me could be attracting the situation? Maybe that person believes that in order to be considered quote unquote nice, then they always need to say yes, right? A lot of us think that. If I say no, I'm not nice. So I need to say yes to be nice. And let's go to the second question. What would I need to believe to bring about different results? Maybe she would need to believe that she's nice when she says no. Hmm. That's food for thought. Why would she be nice when she's saying no? Maybe because if she's able to say no, then her yeses are from a much more genuine and authentic place. And then she won't hold resentment towards other people because she's able to say no when she needs to. Or maybe saying no is much nicer and kinder to her family, to her husband and children who are dealing with the fact that their mother and wife does not know how to say no, right? And and suffering as a, as a result of that. So that would be a huge shift because as soon as she started, she's starting to, right? We said, we have to do borer. We have to choose and separate our thoughts. What do I want to think? What do I not want to think? We have to recognize that our thoughts create our world. So we have to realize here that even just changing the way she's thinking about saying the word no is automatically, automatically, it's going to make it much easier for her to change her actions and to have her reality completely shift where people won't be taking advantage of her anymore because she'll be able to stand up for herself and she'll feel right she'll feel like she's in the right by doing so okay another example a husband is expecting a lot from his wife the wife is feeling like she's never enough it's just never enough whatever she does is not cutting it and she just wants to gain his approval and it's not working out so what could she believe what could she be believing that could be attracting it maybe she's believing that she she's not enough, right? That she always needs to be doing more and, and accomplishing more. And that belief could be coming from her. And so she would say, what do I need to believe instead? Instead, she would probably need to believe that she's doing perfectly exactly the way she is right now. She's doing enough exactly as she is and that everything that she's doing right now has tremendous value and significance and deserves to be appreciated and that she deserves respect and appreciation for whatever she's currently doing. So that would be... You know, it sounds like a little bit of an oversimplification because maybe this marriage needs a little more help than that. But that that's a big part of it. If she's believing that what, what she's doing is never enough, then what she's doing will never be considered enough. 
not making enough money at work. Here's another example. Somebody who feels like they're just stuck. They're working harder and harder and they're just never making enough money. Working two jobs, their husband's working. It's just never, never enough coming in. What could she be believing that could be attracting this? Maybe she's believing, I'm not worthy of making more money. I'm not qualified. I don't have enough experience. I didn't get a professional college degree, so I'm not really supposed to be making more money. Maybe she's believing money is materialistic. Money's bad. Money gets people to go in the wrong direction in their life. It's not spiritual. And what would she need to believe? She would need to believe that she's worth it that what she's offering is valuable and that money's good and it will help her fulfill her tafkid in this world in the best possible way and that Hashem wants her to have money so that she can do what she needs to do without worry, without anxiety, without lack. Another example would be um, a person says, listen, everybody's angry at me. Everybody seems to be going against me, right? So what are they believing? Maybe they're believing that uh, every that they're right, and they don't want to they don't want to veer away from believing that they're in the right, and that everybody else around me needs to change so that I can be happy. And maybe people around them are not so happy with that attitude, and <laughs> it's not really working out for their family members or friends or whatever. So what would they need to start believing? Maybe they would need to start second guessing. Is it true that everybody around me is responsible? for my emotional state, for my life. Maybe I'm responsible for my own actions and feelings. Maybe I'm being hurtful to others by blaming them. Maybe not maybe, right? <laughs> maybe for sure, um, right? So let's explore these two questions. Number one, what thoughts or beliefs in me could be attracting the situation? Number two, what would I need to believe to bring about different results? By asking these two questions, we are taking responsibility and accountability for our lives in the deepest possible way. This is how we change things in our life, no matter what's going on around us. I just want to end off by announcing that Baruch Hashem, we are, I think this is the 60th or the 59th parak of Tehillim that we're doing. And it's not a one-man band. We're more than a third of the way through. It's not all me. It's really a group effort. I want to thank all of you for your support. I couldn't have done it without your sponsorships, without your chizuk emails and text messages telling me how the classes are benefiting your life. All of that is very much a part of this journey. Um, I'm taking a bit of a break from the Tehillim classes for right now. I'm looking forward to continuing very soon, Eretz Hashem. But in the meantime, I'm going to be still doing my coaching. And also, I'd like to start a Zoom group on self-esteem. I want to give a bunch of classes on the topic of self-esteem. So if you'd like to enroll in that or if you'd like to try out my coaching, you could have a free consult with pleasure. So just go to my website, yalbertram.com, to sign up for any of those things. Both of these things are life-changing. Either the private coaching or the self-esteem classes are life-changing experiences that will take you to places that you thought it would take a lifetime to get to. So I'm looking forward to having you join me on those incredible experiences. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the rest of your summer.